Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Today's episode is sponsored by my Lit Daily Online Yoga Classes. This is an exclusive pass into my personal practice and program that I created from experience as a physical therapist and 20 years developing my Lit Yoga methodology. There is a different class with me every day, including special monthly live streams, so you can feel your most lit up anytime and anywhere. Get a three-day free trial today by going to movementbylara.com and clicking daily classes. Let's get moving. Good movement and welcome to Redefining Yoga, a Movement by Lara podcast, which is designed to investigate all aspects of the modern evolution of yoga from my background as a physical therapist and lover of movement. My mission is to help everyone find freedom through safer and stronger movement patterns so together we can be uplifted, benefiting all beings. Today's podcast is What to Do About Knee Pain. I don't like to use that word pain, but I have I have so many people ask me on a regular basis what they can do about the pain that they are experiencing the knee or knees. And the knee is one of the most common body parts to get injured. So it is very likely that you are experiencing true pain. It's not just something that's like in your neck or something that you attach to, but you actually, not that you can't have neck pain and have it be true, but sometimes we have this kind of anticipatory pain loop in other areas of the body. With the knee, it's a little bit different because the types of knee pain that people experience are due to a variety of, a variety of causes. And that is a lot to do with the, the anatomy of the knee itself. Some of these knee injuries or pain causers are um, sprains or strains. Those are a little bit different than, um, they're not the same thing. Um, one, you can have bursitis, tendonitis, you can have meniscal tears or um, injuries. There's dislocation of the patella, which is yucky. <laughs> you can have fractures of the knee. And then the more common thing that I mostly deal with is overuse injuries. So if somebody had something more severe in the terms of a dislocation or fracture, probably not going to be showing up to my class, but I do have people who have kind of habitually troublesome knees 
who will come into class and ask me specifically, what, what can I do about this? And I have, uh, this might be, you know, a long conversation, but I'll, I'll give you some ideas of what I have specific examples of how I've helped people with their knee stuff. But first, let's talk about the anatomy because I'm going to assume, again, most of you are not physical therapists. And for all the PTs out there, this will just be good review. And and you're not, you you know where your knees are, but you don't necessarily know what um, the anatomy, the anatomical structures are at the, at the knee joint. So the knee joint is where the, any, anytime you say joint, it implies there's two bones that are coming together. So we have the bone of the femur, which is your thigh bone, and that's coming down from the pelvis. And that meets up with one of the lower leg bones in the shin called the tibia. And that's where it articulates, meaning it actually has, it's kind of like bone neck, like bone connecting to bone, even though it's not connecting directly to the bone, there's stuff in between, but it's like a sandwich. You know, you've got the bread and then you've got the stuff in between. And so the the kind of sandwiching, the articulation is at the tibia, You have a, which is on your big toe side of the body. And then you have a little or thinner bone on the pinky toe side of the body that is called your fibula. And it has a a way it articulates, but not directly with the femur. So this bone, the femur coming down, the thigh bone coming down and meeting the tibia, the knee joint is often called the, um, this joint is tibiofemoral joint. And that again is telling you where it connects. And it connects through these um, condyles, which are rounded protuberances that give you it gives some art, some bulk and articulation so that you the the joint can form a hinge right so it's not going to be a flat surface a hinge isn't just a flat surface there's there's something that can move around and that's the that are these condyles so the knee is known as a hinge joint so a hinge joint if you can imagine like a door opening and shutting kind of has one movement and that movement would be like straightening the knee and then bending it which would be extension and flexion there is also some degree of rotation at the knee. So when people talk about don't ever pivot at the knee or let the knee drop in, the knee does have these movements of rotation there that are allowed and there's a small degree of them. And then these strong ligaments that run um, in between these condyles and on the sides of these condyles help to stabilize the, the knee joint. So those ligaments are really, really important. Um, you might've heard of the cruciate ligaments, the anterior cruciate ligament known as the ACL is running from one side of the condyle to the other from front to back. And then we have the posterior cruciate ligament. And then we also have these ligaments on the sides of the knee that give it that stability for rotation. So the knee has some inherent stability through these strong ligaments and through the connection at the joint. But there is also going to be some, it is an, it is an easier joint. I don't want to say it's easy because I don't want you to think it's just like worry about your knee, but it's an easier joint for sure to injure because there is some of this, this movement side to side that can cause some problems if you don't have enough stabilizing forces at the ligaments and in the surrounding muscles as well. And then you're probably familiar with that thing, the kneecap, which is also known as the patella. 
And so the patella is actually kind of gliding on top of the articulation of the tibia and femur. And it has um, its own connection called the patella femoral joint. And that's when the, the end of the femur articulates with that patella. And the patella um, is offering the quadriceps, these the, the muscles of your thighs that are really, really powerful. It's offering the quadriceps more power because the way the muscles of the front of the thigh work is they all, there's four of them, quad, there's four of them that come down and they cross over the patella and insert b- below it. And the patella gives that extra leverage for to create more force production. So hopefully that isn't too too anatomical geeky for you. But those are those are some of the features that you need to know about for the knee joint. So you have this fulcrum of the patella that cre- that helps to create um, more power for the quadriceps, and then you have some stabilizing features in the form of the ligaments. And then you, and also there's cartilage all around. So when we have cartilage where joints come together, that's a really important feature because the cartilage is what makes it more slippery. So if I were to lean over and bend forward, and my ankle doesn't make a ton of noise when I do that, hopefully. But when you, because of uh, cartilage being there, it's not like cracking all around. It just slides. There's a lot of articulations there. And it's the same with the knee. Now, that doesn't mean that cracking in the knee is indicative of cartilaginous damage. Um, There's other reasons for cracking in the knee. But I just want to tell you that there's the cartilage is there to help um, this make the joint surfaces glide a little bit more. And then another thing that's that helps the joint surface glide because there's we bend and straighten our knees so many times a day. um, We also have bursa. And so the bursa are these little fluid-filled sacs that give, again, help that smoothness of movement. So you're not just, uh, a tendon isn't just rubbing right on a bone, but there's something there that has some fluidity under it that helps um, that movement happen. So all these structures are there to help and facilitate better movement patterns. So what happens when our... um, one of these things gets injured, say the ligament, or we have some damage to the cartilage. So first of all, cartilage, a big thing that I have seen in the PT clinic, as well as with a ton of people that come into the yoga studio is what's something called patella femoral syndrome. So patella femoral is when that, where that area is the kneecap, the patella is coming and gliding over the distal femur, there's cartilage there. So imagine that it's gliding over and over again, um, but it's doing it in a little bit of a suboptimal alignment. So that means maybe the knee is dropping in too much, or maybe there's a tightening of the soft tissue on one side, on that on the outside of the leg muscles. And so it's kind of pulling the, the, the um, kneecap, the patella, in a little bit of an oblique or diagonal way. So it's not just going kind of straight up and down. And so anytime you have a gliding that is not optimal, the surfaces um, are not gliding as they are meant to glide. And so there might be some kind of scrubbing of the cartilage. 
And that not only will um, do some damage to the cartilage, but the bursa start to get a sense of, of that a suboptimal movement and will expand a little bit. So you get this burst, you can get bursitis under the patella as well. So there's different reasons for create that that discomfort. But that is a that is probably one of the most common sources of discomfort that I hear about is under the kneecap itself. The other area that can be troublesome is the outside of the knee. And it can be right on the outside, like right at the hinge point itself, or a little bit lower toward um, where the tibia and f- the t- tibia and femur meet. And that it can be on the bottom part of the iliotibial band, otherwise known as the IT band. And the IT band is um, a very maligned um, devil for a lot of people, but especially runners and bikers, because it's this long tenderness sheath that runs from beneath the, the, the knee, right at the tibia, all the way up to the side of the femur. And with constant bending and straightening of the knee, um, that that iliotibial band can get shortened, chronically shortened. And anytime, again, you're getting shortened, but it's at a slightly um, imbalanced way, so something's being pulled a little bit too much to one side or the other, you're going to get an extra kind of crease there, like an extra demand. And so that can happen at the knee joint. So say those are the two areas that you have found, if, if, if this relates to you or if, if you've heard this, if you're a yoga teacher, a movement educator, and you've heard this, what to do about um, somebody who's experiencing that? Well, I mean, again, I can't diagnose on, on a podcast, but I can tell you what I've um, found to be really, really helpful with the knees. The first thing is I would look at Um, I look at people's feet and I look at their hips because the knees are almost always the victims of the hips or the feet. And they're just the in-between joints. So if the movement at the ankle is not um, sufficient enough, the knee will try and move instead of the ankle. If the mobility at the hip is not enough, the knee will try and make up for that. And that is, it, we need really good range of motion in our hip joint and in our ankle so that the, the knee is not overly taxed. So I will look at the foot. I will also look at how the foot and ankle and also look at how um, when someone's standing, if they tend to really um, droop into the inside of their foot, which is known as pronation. And pronation is a normal um, occurring thing when you walk and when you run. But if you have too much of it, especially in that subtalar joint, which is farther back at the ankle joint, if it's really dropping in, that can put some strain on your knee as well. And sometimes that'll be more on the inside of the knee, not on the outside of the knee. So looking at the um, movement at the ankle, looking at in weight bearing, what is the um, foot and ankle doing? Are they Do they look like the muscles of the foot are sufficiently holding the bones in place? Or are they kind of collapsing inward? That's a very common thing, the collapsing inward, not so much collapsing outward. And then, the, um, then finally go up into the hip and see like, okay, when someone is standing, do they tend to kind of sink into that one side? So like jutting out your hip, because that can that can not only eventually bother your outer hip, but that can go down into that side of the knee, that area I was talking about in the lower IT band. 
And that is often due to insufficient gluteal medius um, strength and, and power and production. And then also, how does someone squat? Like, are they moving at the hip joint? Are they tipping in the pelvis? Because when you tip in the pelvis, you're more likely to drive the femur forward. So going forward is going to go into the knee joint versus if you move in your hip joint. So the hip is where the femur meets the pelvis. So it's the ball and socket joint. When that ball moves back in space toward the glute muscle, that's hip flexion. That's what you want when you're squatting. People um, get a lot of tightness in their hips and lose some of that hip mobility. And so the, the femur will, instead of going backward, it'll, gonna, it'll go forward as you bend the knee. And that puts, you can imagine, that puts a lot of pressure right into the knee joint itself. So the knee is just made to really move with the motion of the ankle and hip. Um, when it has too much pressure put into it, that's over and over again habitually, that can cause some of that knee pain issue. So those are the things to look for. How is how are the hip and ankle moving? What is the strength in the hip like? You really need strong gluteals, gluteus medius, and the gluteus maximus. Strong core. Where what is the pelvis doing? Is it in a neutral position? If it's more tipped forward and anterior tilt, you could be more likely to squat in that position, which would drive the femur forward into the knee. And then how is the ankle moving? Is there an adequate dorsiflexion, it's called, where you're able to move on top of that um, ankle joint without having to pick up your heel? So people lose some of that range of motion in, in the back of their leg. So imagine if you're, tight, you're really tight back there, like in your lower calf muscles, you might lift your heel and that will cause you that, again, that'll put more pressure on your knee. So I don't really like squatting with the heels lifted, mainly because the knee will often take the brunt of that. I'm not saying it's wrong and I'm not saying that people can't do it, but there's so many people who will not perform that very well that that could be problematic. What are some poses to stay away from when you have knee pain or knee discomfort? So kneeling on the knee is going to be one of those things that can maybe feel fine and maybe not. A lot of it has to do, again, with the pelvis. Once you get your pelvis in a more neutral position, you can weight bear on that knee because you're weight bearing right down on the patella evenly, and the patella is acting as a protective mechanism. But if you're not weight bearing evenly down through the patella because your hips are tight and you're tipping in your pelvis or whatever, or you're sinking, you can put um, unequal pressure on that patella and it won't feel good. So one thing I'll tell people is if it doesn't feel good to have the knee down, then lift the knee off the floor. That's fine. But when everything is balanced, then the knee on the floor should not be a problem. You want to always feel like there's just like if I was standing on my foot, I want to feel like I'm also lifting energy up out of the ground, not just sinking down into the foot, similar to the knee. I'm not going to sink down into it. Some other poses are obviously any form of squat where you're bending the knee and you're feeling that pressure going into the knee. You want to be aware of that and work on your hip flexion, keeping your neutral spine, neutral pelvis, and um, watching that the knee, you can glance down and look as you're bending, is the knee going forward in space? Because it's not going to really do that very much. And, we, and certainly not in that first 
amount of hip flexion. It shouldn't do that at all. What I find when I look at people and I'm analyzing their movement at their knee, I ask them to squat. And almost 100% of the time, people that have, have complaints of knee discomfort or knee pain, when they go to squat, say to even bend over and get something to the ground, the first thing that will bend is their knee. The knee will go forward. And what I train them to do is to think to go down to the ground, you have to go back in space. So the hip has to be the first thing to move. You move the hip, the knee will bend. But if your knee is the first thing to bend, it's just going to go forward. That's where it's going to go. So retraining some of those movement patterns. And I talk about this a lot in my in my classes online. So check those out. Um, I talk a lot about hip mobilization. And what I find for people who have had, and I've had people who have quote unquote bad knees, history of bad knees, mama had bad knees, on and on and on. When I teach them how to hinge at the hips well, um, it takes, it almost always takes care of that knee, the knee um, issues. So, uh, so watching how you squat, when you go into a side lunge, for instance, and I've talked about this before as well, a side lunge known as um, skandasana in the yoga world, I like to keep the heel down. And if you can't keep your heel down when you do it and you rely, or you have to keep, pick up your heel, Um, to go into that low lunge. So imagine your feet are more than, they're way more than hip distance apart. You bend your right knee and you're going, you're trying to go down toward the floor where your kind of glute is going toward your right heel. The left leg would stay straight. Well, once people get to a certain point, the tendency is to lift the right heel off the floor. And that to me is, indicative that the right ankle doesn't have the mobility yet, but you're taking your, so you're lifting the heel up, but you're going to take that motion into your knee. And I would much prefer you stay up higher, keeping the heel down and sitting back into the butt more and work the ankle range of motion to then be able to get lower and lower instead of compensating by getting down there, but lifting your right heel up. I hope that makes sense to you. So that's one that I would be aware of. Things like hero pose and all that. I don't practice that. I don't feel like, I feel like there's so many other ways of stretching the front of the the, the hip flexors, the quadriceps, without putting that kind of strain across the quadricep tendon. Because remember, the quadricep, those big muscles of the front of the thighs, the tendon is the um, how the muscle thins out to attach onto a bone. It has to thin out and then it goes over the knee to attach below it. And so in hero pose, where or, or if you're not into yoga and you don't know what I'm talking about, it's like kneeling with your, um, you're just sitting your butt down to your heels. And then imagine like what a kid would do when they kind of let their heels go out on the outside of their butt flesh. So the knees are in, but the butt, the feet are on the outside of the butt flesh. I just don't feel like that's a really great position for most people to to do. Um, I think it's also kind of inactive. So I like much more active poses for opening up the front of the the front line of of the body, including the front of the thighs. So that brings me to one more point that I'll make, and that is that you need to have um, adequate mobility of the fascia. Um, that's the connective tissue that surrounds everything. It surrounds our muscles, our 
bones, our ligaments, it's in between our organs. It connects everything. It's just everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. And it's made of um, collagen and elastin and then some other hydraulic. I mean, this it's water is a big part of it. So those are the those are the main components that you need to know that it relies on having a fluid environment. So it means you need to be hydrated. So you're not just hydrated in terms of drinking water hydrated, but this fascia also relies on mobility to keep this connective uh, tissue ready to move and pliable. So if you think about like a dried out sponge that hasn't been put underwater for a while, think about how that looks, how it just kind of all kind of it shrinks, right? Like a dried out sponge really shrinks up. And that's kind of what the connective tissue does versus when you move and through the through the different pulling and the tension on the, the joints as you're moving, it creates some hydration for the tissues. And that makes it more like a, a moisture sponge. So it has more of that pliability to it and with that, it also um, it is is a happier place to be because all these uh, the fascia also has it not only supports, protects, and stabilizes, but it also has um, pain receptors in it that what that are called nociceptors. And so when the fascia gets kind of pulled and dried out like a dried sponge, it will those those nociceptors will signal that something's, you know, not great. That's what it that's the purpose of them. It's trying to give you some signaling. It's a communicator as well. So fascia is I I've I have a podcast on fascia. It's 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 amazing. And so there's fascia that surrounds the knee, that's within the knee and that's on, you know, above and below and that lateral side of the knee that I was talking about, the IT band, there's there's fascia there that allows gliding of that tendon. So there's different techniques for for making sure that your fascia in this area remains pliable, remains fluid. And one of the biggest things um, that you can do is move well and mechanically, which is through hip flexion, uh, through proper hip flexion, standing well and not sinking into that IT band or jutting out your hip. But then you can also, if you've already developed a lot of tension and tautness in that area, that's not a good, that's, you know, kind of an altered kinetic, um, altered connect, connective tissue. You can use things like at the, our studio, we have these melt rollers. So certain kind of rollers are really nice for areas of myofascial tightness. You never want one that causes you pain. So if you ever use a roller, and it causes you pain, that is not good. You're already talking about an area that is uncomfortable and then you're you're kind of making those nociceptors fire even more. So if you have a lot of ta- like um, restricted tissue around there, maybe in the hamstring, these are the areas that you want to go to, hamstring and calf and quadriceps. The IT band is not a really good place to do the, the rolling, even on at a gentle roller. I'm not a big fan of that, but you can go up more into the gluteus and do it there if it's because you can have weak muscles that also have um, this restricted fascial tightness. So I could go on and on about this, but I'm gonna I'm gonna end by saying this. The other things to look for besides 
the mechanics, like are your mechanics poor, suboptimal? How, how is your hip moving, your ankle moving? What is your running technique like? All that kind of stuff. Look for what, how are your glutes? Are they, are they weak? Can you stand on one leg easily and not let that hip slide out to the side? Or do you have to, the kind of locking out of the knee? You don't want to lock out a knee, right? You want energy to hold it in place. So the weak hip and gluteal muscles will sometimes cause that to happen. Weak quadriceps can also cause that to happen. You're going to try and lock out the knee because your quadricep isn't holding it, holding the leg straight on its own. Of course, the core. If you're weak in the core, there's like this downward energy. You can see it in people. You see it in the pelvis, but that translates down into the knee as well. So you've got to work your core and that includes your glutes, but deep abdominals, all the um, postural muscles, all the way up into the scapular region, all of that has an effect on your knees. Look at the feet, look below the knees. What is the arch control like? And then finally kind of analyze what you're doing. Are you are you doing a variety of movement? Are you overly training one particular way? Did you increase whatever you were doing really, really quickly? So you have to look at all of those aspects as well. But the main thing is don't do anything that continues to cause you pain. And but know that the pain, quote unquote, or discomfort in the knee is your body's way of telling you that you need to really, really work on your altered mechanics. Um, You need to figure that out because your knee is the victim of something else, unless you had a direct blow to it or something. So I hope this helps you with understanding knee anatomy and where some of the knee pain can come from. I'm really just kind of touching the iceberg of the knee stuff, but I will tell you so much of this can be avoided or can be remedied when you work on your overall mechanics of the body. And that it starts with how you stand. So go back and review in my other podcast about posture and about, um, you know, the triple S and working the hip and all that good stuff. Like the secret sauce podcast is a great one for helping your knees. Okay. All for now for anatomy geeking out sending you all hugs and pulling for you each and every day. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.